0: Hey, folks, so glad you're with us here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Our team works so hard during the year. We decided to give them the week off to enjoy their families. So we're running a few of our favorite segments from the show over the summer. We'll hear from Josh Whitman, PGA rookie Nick Hardy, Brad Underwood, and sports agent Doug Eldridge talking about NIL. We hope you enjoy this encore edition of the Alani Guys Sports Spectacular.
1: You're listening to The Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com, on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Illinois
0: Athletic Director Josh Whitman was beaming like a proud papa last week as he helped to open the new Atkins Golf Club at the University of Illinois. Here are some of his thoughts on the day and a few other topics as well.
2: It's always exciting when you have an idea about what something can look like and then Put some some time and some energy and some resources into it, and, and to see it now two and a half years later, uh, at this point, and to know all that's gone into it, all the people who put so much effort into it, it uh, means a great deal. And obviously, just so incredibly grateful to the Atkins family for for their generosity and allowing us to make this possible. And I, I think that it's been a, a great resource already for the community, but uh, but we'll just continue to grow as as we open it up and, and start to get more traffic through here.
3: The coach is kind of broke down a little bit how it helps them competitively and all that, but from your vantage point, how does it help the program, the athletic program and
2: beyond? I think one of the things that excites me about this project is just all the different ways it can benefit, not just Illinois athletics, but I think the university and and the broader community. Certainly relative to the athletic program, the things that we can do here now from from the golf program's perspective I think are are pretty self-evident. Um, but even already, just before the course has even been officially open, some of the things that we've been able to do out here in terms of, of recruiting uh, in all of our sports and the things we've done out here in terms of donor activities and, and fundraising engagement uh, have been exciting for us. Uh, and I think the university is starting to utilize the space more and more as well, and I expect that will we'll grow in the future. And then the, the stability that we brought to this part of Urbana and, and I think the the outreach that we've seen uh, energy around even the, the residential area here has been off the charts in the 18 months since we announced the project and so it's uh, I think a, a, a win-win for everybody that's been involved. The potential to host larger tournaments or even maybe a postseason, well, how much does that kind of elevate you guys as program? I, I, look, I mean, our, our program's in a pretty strong position right now, I, I think it's, but it, it helps. and it, it certainly puts us in a position to do some things with Illinois golf that we've never been able to do before long time, and so talking to Mike and Renee, uh, to Jackie, knowing that, that this gives us another tool in the toolbox that we can use to further polish the reputation of Illinois golf, not just regionally, but across the country, is, is always something that uh, is going to be interesting to us. What's your you know experience as a golfer, and you know, how much have you been out here so far, if at all? Well, hardly anybody's been out here. enjoy playing fully finished, and to see all the greens now grown in, it's, it's really a beautiful place, and give our, our staff and the crews that have worked on this uh, all the credit in the world.
0: Josh, how hard was it for you to swallow hockey that it wasn't going to happen right now or at any point in the near
4: future?
2: I, I think any time you put as much time into something as we did into that project, that was something that we put um, over five years of effort into and did a lot of travel across the country met a lot of really interesting people. Yeah. And, and certainly, you, you expect those things to reach a certain outcome uh, for a variety of different reasons it, it just wasn't in the cards and so it's you learn in economics in school is this, this theory of sunk costs, you know and I think you can really pull yourself in a hole if you justify continued activity based on the past It was. It was not just an Illinois decision. Certainly, I, I think as we talk to people, we're, we've grown strong relationships during this, this uh, uh, during this journey. It, it was evident to I think everybody that, that now was the right time. That, that there just wasn't um, a ready solution out there that, that was showing itself to get us across the finish line in any, in any meaningful time frame. And so, uh, it wasn't. Certainly it was our decision ultimately to make, but uh, as we looked around the room and, and kind of took a straw poll, of the different entities that have been involved in the project, everybody was understanding and agreeing that this was this was the right moment. The new NIL that allows the school to be involved, how much does that change how you guys are able to go about this? Uh, to go about NIL? Yeah. Uh, I think it, it, it changes it, certainly, I think it, it allows us to be more directly engaged and, and like this, our athletes were looking to us for guidance and our, our donors, our third party partners were all looking to us for guidance. Everybody was looking to the athletic program to say, how do we do this? Can you help us do this the right way? And there were some limitations on how engaged we could we could become. And so this puts us in a position to, to be more uh, active and, and I think uh, helpful. it'll be a, a positive change for us and obviously it's an incredibly fluid space evolving almost literally by the day uh, and so we'll continue to stay on top of it and, and stay in front of it josh how much was football divisions talked about in, during your
5: spring meetings in arizona and is that a topic you feel like will continue to come up and you have a particular stance on at this point the way you see it uh
2: no stance that i want to share i, I think that it certainly is a it's a topic it's something that that the big 10 talking about it's something that several other conferences are clearly talking about as well. Um, and, and it's one of you know look, there's fifteen things right now that sure. are on our agenda, all of which are, are pretty important pretty big big picture type topics. And, and uh, that's that's on the
0: list and something that, that does uh, take some more time. that was Josh Whippinetta at Wendy Atkins Golf Club on the Sports Spectacular.
6: Slow down they say you're getting older. Relax. Seriously you're on a mission. You've got places to go grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way.
0: right back here on the Illini guys sports spectacular Larry Smith, Brad story and Mike Hegley, and join on this newsmaker line presented by Busey bank by none other than Nick Hardy, the Illini alum who had the huge weekend last week at the U S open. And right now he is uh, competing in Hartford uh, as we speak. Hey, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Hey, congratulations. Uh, last weekend, take us through the, the weekend and um, you look really comfortable out there and it, and it just seemed um, like everything just clicked for you at the right time.
7: Yeah, no doubt. I uh, feel like I've been playing some really good golf since I came back from my uh, wrist injury. And uh, there was definitely no doubt I was super comfortable out there. And um, I handled myself uh, very well. And I was definitely proud of that as a takeaway.
8: Nick, I have to ask, like, you see these things and you see you guys hit these shots and everybody's like, yeah, oh, what a great shot. You hit it close how do, people don't understand how difficult that course is for the U S open. I mean, for an average golfer, if you could shoot like 120, it'd be a great day. Right. I mean, this is that, that course is just, just uh, so difficult.
7: Yeah, it really is. Um, the courses, you know, U S open courses and venues are all very, very tough. And, uh, you know, but this one wasn't very tricked up. So it, it was very fair. Um, it was just brutal tests, but very fair. So that's, that's what I really enjoyed about this one. I thought the USGA did a great job in setting the course up and making it a really
0: fair test and just trying to identify the best players that given week. Talk a bit about kind of your experience um, since you were at Illinois. You mentioned the wrist injury and, and kind of explain to people. Um, I, I think the average fan is like, well, I golf and he's just really good at it. But I mean, this you've put a lot of work in and, and continued to do so.
7: Yeah, there's no doubt. It's been uh, my whole career has been sort of a little mini evolution. I, I've just kept on getting a little better and a little better. And um, I've definitely worked really hard at it, especially in college and after college now. I've been a pro for four years. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a process to get to this point. And um, I'm hoping I just uh, keep on climbing.
8: Nick, just how and the other thing, you know, talking about that process and getting, keeping climbing, I don't think people quite understand how difficult it is to even get on, you were on the Corn Ferry Tour, had to earn your card to get on the PGA Tour. And just how difficult, because those guys on the Corn Ferry Tour are like really, really good guys. I I watched you play last year um, up at the Glen Club. And, and you were playing, I mean, there were guys who were big names. I think, you know, big name guys who, who had just you know come down off the PGA tour, guys who'd won you know, championships on the PGA tour and now are on the corn ferry tour. Plus all the best college players coming out are going there. So how, what's that grind like for you when you're on that corn ferry tour and just trying to get over that hump? Yeah. You know, professional
7: golf in general is the deepest it's ever been. And it's just really hard in general to get any status anywhere. And I feel like, uh, even on the Corn Ferry tour, it's tough to tough to get out there. So, um, I'm definitely, um, you know, very proud of kind of like my edu- evolution and growth uh, as I've gone out in my, my career.
0: Talking with the line I love, Nick Hardy here, and the newsmaker line presented by Busey Bank. Nick coming off the 14th place tie at the at the U.S. Open in Brookline, Mass. Uh, last week. Um, Nick, you came through the Illini program, obviously, and and uh, we can only imagine the impact that, that Mike Small had on you. Talk about just uh, what he's meant to you as a as a coach and a mentor and, and I'm sure as a friend. Yeah, I mean, Coach
7: Small means the world to me. I, I believe that with all my heart, he's the best college coach in the country. No doubt about it in my mind. And I'm just lucky to have played for him. Um, I feel like a lot of uh, po- fellow players that have come through the program, I, actually all of them, feel the same way I do. And uh, I think it's really special, just the culture he's created, not among his, you know, current players, crop of players, but just with the former players that have come through. I think, uh, you know, we're a family, and that's what's uh, what's, re- what's really cool about what Coach Small has built.
8: Nick, is as you talk about the Illinois program, do you do you go back since they uh, do? You- how much do you get do you get a chance to talk to the current guys on the team and, and work with them at all or talk to them about the process that you've gone through and what they're dealing with and maybe even winning Big Ten titles, playing in the NCAA tournament, all those things you've done?
7: Yeah, you know, I actually had the chance to come back to uh, Champaign um, back in March and uh, hang out with the team for a few days. Uh, and I, I did that really in the, in the winter. So I came back and practiced with them for a few days when they were indoors and just um, I, I definitely miss that part of it. I miss the aspect of being able to compete against um, your buddies, your teammates, uh, eight or 10 guys that are all uh, competing to be better, you know, see how good they can be. That's really what the, what the goal is um, for everyone that comes through Illinois. So um, just being in that competitive environment, I miss the most. And I think it's uh, definitely something I cherish when
0: I was there. One of the big stories come out of last weekend was, was the record prize money uh, that was received. So, Um, two questions, uh, have, have, have you, have you, has your check been deposited yet and how giddy were you at the amount? (laughs) Um, I have not, uh, seen a check yet,
7: but I, um, I was, you know, I was trying to keep my mind off that all four days, obviously, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I, I, I was definitely, you know, you walk away from tournaments, um, especially on Sundays feeling like, oh man, like I could have done better. And that's exactly how I feel. I feel like I could have done better, no doubt about it. But um, just in general, I I try to, lately I've really focused on harping on the big picture of things and keeping my mindset in, okay, like let's look at the long view of my career. I think this week was really an investment in the long view of my career. And it was the first time that I had a chance to win a PGA Tour event, let alone a major. So um, no matter what I made that
8: week and knowing that I could have done better,
7: um, I'm hoping that I have many chances to do better than that in the
0: future.
8: I've, it's obviously the paycheck's great. I, I always think like I, I stand over a a four foot putt putting for like a five dollar wager. And, and I can't imagine when it's like a hundred thousand on the line or something <laughs> like that. It's like it's just insane. And I'm not very good at it. So you know it just a, it is what it is. So uh, Nick, I, I do have what's your schedule look like coming up? Uh, you know obviously you're uh, you're playing this weekend. In Hartford, but then what do you have uh, planned for the rest of the summer?
7: Well, I'll be coming back to Illinois next week. I'll be playing in Moline at the John Deere Classic, and then uh, the rest of the summer is a little up in the air. I mean, I'll be playing all the PGA Tour events, but um, most of them in the states. Uh, I'll definitely be doing the Barracuda Championship and um, the 3M and the uh, the event in Detroit. So I'll, you know, I'll be sticking with uh, whatever the schedule is for the PGA Tour for the summer and um, just finishing this year strong.
0: That's exciting. Nick, are you able to, to enjoy this experience? I mean, you work so hard to get here and, and as you mentioned, you know, the injury coming off that and coming back, do you, you know, and you, I know you guys, the schedule is nuts. People don't understand that you leave one place and it's right to the next and it's right back on the course. And it's, it's, it's constant work and it's a, it can be a grind. Have you had a chance to to step back and and kind of enjoy that? Hey, the fact that you're, you're living your dream. I mean, you're on the PGA tour and, and playing well. Yeah,
7: that's. I mean, that's a great point. All those points you made, and I, to be honest, I really haven't. Um, I I think I'll will once I uh, am able to have a week off, and hopefully, you know, I'm kind of in the spot where I need to play right now, and I need to keep earning my keep and earning my spot on the tour. So um, I I haven't really, you know, sat back and enjoyed it yet. But I'm really hoping that I keep playing good golf, and I'm able to do that soon. But you know, you you said it though. I'm living out my dream, and I'm living out the. The part of getting to play on the PGA Tour, and um, I think that's uh, you know the the work and all the the hard work that goes into it is just is just me enjoying it as well.
8: Nick, the, the other my last question for you, I got one question. Like everybody, everybody on tour can hit the ball a mile. Like I mean, you know, some guys might hit a little farther than others, but all of you guys just hit the ball so far everybody has the physical tools. You're all good ball strikers everything is the mental game. Probably the biggest difference that separates the the great from maybe the the next level or guys that win versus the guys that, you know, don't win. Is that, that really it?
7: Absolutely. I mean, especially now you're seeing in professional golf, how deep, um, the game is physically wise. Um, but that's exactly what separates is the mental game. No doubt about it. I mean, I think a lot of the players I was playing against on Sunday um, all had, you know, incredible ability, but it's how you manage the emotions, how you manage your thoughts um, and just how you manage yourself and how you can maximize your ability while knowing your um, sort of weaknesses and faults and uh, just managing around that. that it is just, I would say mostly it's mental.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and I, I think we hear that from a lot of guys who, achieve the pro level of, of their sport that everyone's talents the same it's, it's in a mental game and and how you handle it um kind of one final question if if, if you don't mind there's a bit of big story obviously with with uh, LIV golf and this week brooks uh Kepka, the big story um what are you hearing on the pga tour about this and and how has it affected do you think the game and, and the guys who are on tour
7: yeah you know it definitely is a big big topic in the media right now Um, I think it is having effect on the tour. Um, nobody there's a lot of unknowns out here. I think a lot of people um are just sort of, you know, starting out and just seeing, oh wow, this is this is really happening. It's kind of splintering the game. And um I think there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of people don't know how it's gonna play out. But um I'm confident that the PGA tour will um will prevail in a way and will uh will keep on um doing well in, in the in the golf world. I think Uh, It's a very sustainable business, and a very, um, very. They do a very good job in running events and all in all that they do, and giving back to charities and um, and whatnot. So um, where I play is where I'm happy, and I think uh, I think I trust the PGA
0: Tour. And that's that's a point I think also that people don't understand is that the charitable side of of every single stop of the PGA Tour, there's a charity that benefits from that so aside from the tv cameras and and the fist pumps and the great shots and the emotions and then the check at the end for the players there's that check to the charities as well nick we are uh we are proud of you we're so excited uh for you and love watching uh, your career and and the other guys who were there as well last week and the other Eli and i keep up the great work and hopefully uh, you get a chance later on when things slow down to come back and and talk to us about how the year went awesome thank you guys thank you for having me on i
7: really appreciate it
0: Hey, we appreciate you, Nick. Uh, Nick Hardy here again, the uh, Illini alum, a great golf career at Illinois, and now he is living his dream as a member of the PGA Tour, coming off the big weekend, last week at the U.S. Open, and right now, as he mentioned, playing this weekend in Hartford, and you'll see him at every stop here uh, throughout the summer as he continues on to the PGA Tour. Uh, just 26 years old. What an incredible future he still has. Nick Hardy, happy to have him here on this segment presented by Busey Bank. Stay with us. Quick timeout, and much more to continue here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, all along the Illini Guys
4: Radio Network. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you provides opportunities for growth and it's much more than a job it's a career build relationships build community and build your career at bc bank proud to be the official bank of the fighting Illini
0: planning to repair or upgrade your home or place of business whether it's a leaky roof windows or door worn out siding or paint outdated kitchen bathroom or basement look no further than hx home solutions your one-stop shop for remodeling inside and out Trusted by Chicagoland since 1950, find out why HX gets an A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. Call today, 224-880-6000. That's HX Home Solutions, 224-880-6000. Mention code NCAA and schedule your free estimate. Once again, 224-880-6000, HX Home Solutions.
9: This is David Williams, a leading receiver from the University, Illinois, here on Illini Guy on Sports Spectacular. Go Illini.
0: The Sports Spectacular continues on. Hard to believe that we are almost to July 1. Like next week when we're on, it'll be July. It's just crazy. Uh, speaking of, June 30th is a day that we talked last week. You need to mark on your calendar. Uh, that is the uh, Capital Countdown campaign with the uh, – uh, department of Intercollegiate Athletics, the athletic department. It's their, their final day of fundraising for this fiscal year. It's really important because uh, all the funds that go in, there's there's some matching components that go in. Even if you like only give $10, that's okay. There's one one initiative that the 25 gifts of no matter how much, they're going to be matched uh, by donors for a larger amount. So all the details on ifund.com, make sure you go there. And to help out Illinois athletics sports spectacular here, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy talking NBA draft. Now, Thursday night, um, some surprises at the top, I guess, a little bit of a surprise because all during the day, um, all the pundits said Jabari Smith going number one to Orlando and then poof, a bit of a change. It was entertaining for the most part, at least in the, um, uh, in the first round. Yeah,
8: I thought that, you know, a lot of people had thought Jabari Smith for a long time was going to be the number one pick. Uh, uh, in last couple of days, it seems like uh, Paolo Bancaro had kind of things had shifted where he was going to be, you know, he was definitely in consideration there. I, I think they're both, you know, they're, they're different players, but they're both that same mold. They're 6'10". They can... Stretch the floor. They can, uh, they've got the uh, ability to be long, and defend. They can play multiple positions, whether it's three, four, five. So they're, they're very, they're both very dynamic guys. I, I think Smith's probably a little bit better shooter, but Carroll's a little more physical and the ability to, you know, use his body and get to the rim. Um, you know, I don't know if he has the athleticism of a uh, Giannis, but uh, that's, that's kind of the mold that people are trying to copy now.
10: Yeah. I think uh, as if I were a GM, I would have tried to stay away from. Chet, just because that body type just scares me. He's a little bit uh, uh, un- unpredictable in terms of injuries. And the other thing that I found very interesting is I, I found it hard to believe that there, were, uh, there was no way EJ Liddell did not go in the first round, particularly seeing that while Draymond Green didn't have a very uh, uh, great series, he's been a key to multiple titles for the golden state warriors. And I think EJ, you know, is, is in that mold, except he's not crazy.
0: Well, I think you're exactly right. EJ Liddell falling all the way, all the way down to, to number 41, the 41st overall pick uh, going to the Pelicans with Zion Williamson and his constant injuries. There's no reason EJ can't come in and play that, play his position and play it better and be more productive. And I'm not, I'm not being a stretch because he's an Illinois guy, an Illinois native out of Belleville. I mean, I really believe that.
8: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, EJ's a really good player. And it's funny, and Mike mentioned it earlier, EJ fits today's NBA. So EJ yeah. Liddell fits what they play in the NBA. He's 6'7", low underside, but he can put the ball on the floor, he can deck it, he can pass it, he can space the floor. And, and he also brings you the ability to rebound. And he can also block shots. He's a very good shot blocker for six, seven. Excellent leaper. So, I think that you get in EJ Liddell a lot of things. Maybe he becomes a, you know, the undersized five or even an undersized four in the NBA. He can play there and he can be really productive. And that's why I actually wanted the Bulls to take him at eighteen. But hey, you know what do I know? They actually, I will say the Bulls. Uh, sh- shout out to the Bulls because I thought they're. I, I wasn't a huge Dayland fan of the Dalen Terry pick. But I was very, very happy that they signed Justin Lewis out of Marquette because I think he was a guy who had a lot of people had in the second round, and they got a pretty good value by getting him as a as a uh, signing him, you know, after the draft. And I think that he he's gonna I think he'll make the roster, and he may even play.
10: Yeah, and there there was a I was also happy to see you know the Big Ten overall I think you know had three players in the top ten. that, that, that bodes well for the conference. And then you take a look at the last two years. Michigan's had several players drafted. Uh, Illinois had one, which, um, which makes it all the more impressive that uh, Jawan Howard has been unable to beat uh, Brad Underwood head-to-head a single time. So uh, even with uh, – but, but it's be a little scary because when you look at who Underwood is bringing into the team this year – uh, next year's draft could have an Illini flavor to it.
0: Yeah, to your point, a couple of Michigan guys going second round. Again, they thought they might go higher. Caleb Houston, 32nd overall, going to Orlando. Uh, Diabate going to the Clippers at 43. Uh, Max Christie, Michigan State, to the Lakers at pick number 35. And uh, Bryce McGowan, somebody too, again, we didn't get to see a lot of because uh, he had some injury issues, but he's such a great talent. in Nebraska freshman phenom going 40th. Uh, overall as uh, McGowan's was taken. You mentioned those top three uh, Keegan Murray of Iowa to Sacramento at four Detroit, taking Jaden Ivy at five, Johnny Davis uh, going to the wizards at, at 10. And again, Malachi Branham to the Spurs at number 20. How about Jaden Ivy and and his, uh, the emotions of that. First off his mom, maybe the most beautiful NBA mom ever. I mean, she, she, put Steph Curry's mom to, to, uh, to, to shame. My, my goodness. They're just a beautiful family, gorgeous family but his story, fantastic. And, um, you know, what, a what a great story just to see them. And, and I, I thought, you know, we were critical of course, watching ESPN's uh, coverage left a lot lacking, but I thought telling their story was one of the highlights of the night.
8: Yeah. Of all the things I saw, that was probably the best thing that I saw in the draft. There were a lot of pauses, a lot of people that didn't know what they were talking about. And, um, it, but that was a good scene. I, you know, Ivy is, uh, interesting that he came out, you know, he ended up, ends up going, you know, to Detroit going fifth, but, he didn't want to go to Sacramento. So they, you know, he basically came on and said, I'm not going to Sacramento. So um, I made, made a trade that night. So that was interesting, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great story, but uh, it's going to be interesting. to See how these guys all play out now, you know, there aren't even, Bancaro, I don't look at any of these guys in this draft as being like, I know this guy is going to be an all-star like right away and, and immediate impact stud, you know, type guy. And, you know, there's no like, you know, back when like uh, Shaquille O'Neal would come the leave or even Kevin Durant, somebody like that. But, you know, so we'll see. It'd be interesting to see who, who, which guys stand up. I think Ivy could be one of those guys who really makes an instant impact.
10: Yeah. And one cannot blame him for uh, wanting to avoid Sacramento. I mean, that place has been a disaster, maybe not of New York Knicks proportion, but they're certainly trying to follow in their footsteps. Um, and, of course, anytime we talk about player moms, it makes me wish that Ked wasn't on his horse still making his way to the Illini guys' studios because Lord knows he'd have something to say about that.
0: <laughs>
11: exactly.
10: A
0: <Exactly. laughs> uh, quick timeout here and then our latest discussion on name, image, and likeness. Our next guest breaks it down and we ask him, what defines student athletes anyway? That's next on the Illini guys' Sportsbook Tag. <laughs> Planning to repair or upgrade your home or place of business, whether it's a leaky roof, windows, or door, worn-out siding or paint, outdated kitchen, bathroom, or basement, look no further than HX Home Solutions, your one-stop shop for remodeling inside and out. Trusted by Chicagoland since 1950, find out why HX gets an A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. Call today, 224-880-6000. That's HX Home Solutions, 224 880-6000 mention code NCAA and schedule your free estimate once again 224-880-6000 HX home solutions if you are a member of IlliniGuys.com much of what you hear on this show really isn't news Illini Guys members are the most plugged in fans our insiders just do a tremendous job of keeping everyone in the know Kedrick Prince coming up next hour to talk recruiting Matt Stevens will give his analysis on how these latest football commits fit into Brett Bielema's scheme. Free seven day trial. Check it out at lineeyeguys.com. Our game changer line presented by OSF healthcare. We've spent a lot of time in this space talking about NIL name, image and likeness, and we will continue to do so. Joining us now, Doug Eldridge. He's a lawyer, sports agent, founder of the DLE agency and founder of the Achilles public relations firm as well. Uh, he's a smart guy in other words and he's also one of the leading authorities on sports business he joins us now here in the sports spectacular Doug welcome to the show
3: hey it's a pleasure to be here guys
0: thank you for having me absolutely I want to start with um, your thoughts on how NIL has changed the game in your perspective now that we're coming up on
3: its first birthday next week yeah, you know, in, in many ways, this last year within the context of NIL has, has kind of passed in dog years. It has gone so fast and so much ground has, being, has been covered that it's almost hard to judge it on the typical 12-month cycle. In that, in that sense, I can remember very well when this broke on the Supreme Court, uh, you know, basically a year ago, uh, basically saying that the construct as it was presented for the NCAA to disallow compensation for academic connected uh, pursuits was antithetical to, to, the, to the notion of basic economics. And, and it wasn't the majority of opinion that, that I thought was so telling, but rather one of the accompanying opinions that was just scathing, that, that basically said the, the, the posture of the NCAA to claim that one of the core tenets or, or one of the tent poles of its business model was to not pay the premier talent in this industry and to have to compensate them in any form or posture would undercut the very nature of their business. You know, I believe it was Kavanaugh that, that issued this, this accompanying opinion. And it was he absolutely took a weed whacker to the NCAA, <laughs> just left them in shreds. And and in so many ways, you know, I, I feel like the national posture on this issue has radically changed in the last 10 years. And I'm not one to sit back here and, and throw rocks at NCAA. I've, I've had a, a great working relationship. I ran... 40-meter hurdles for the first part of college, it became painfully obvious I would not be running in the 2000 Olympics, so I <laughs> the old spikes. But then afterwards, you know, after undergrad and law school and after I left, uh, you know, the government and hung out my own shingle, I, I was able to develop a working relationship with the NCAA specific to how to better regulate agents so that talented athletes wouldn't compromise their eligibility because of the actions of you know sometimes unscrupulous agents. So in the interest of full disclosure and context, I've always had a good relationship with the NCAA. Now, that being said, that certainly doesn't mean that I've always agreed with their position or posture, and I'm not alone in that regard. I have seen over the last 10 years, because I've been working in the sports space for, this marks 15 years, if you can believe it. And I've seen the national pulse on this issue change a complete 180, not just in the last 15, but more specifically in the last 10, and the dials have really been cranked up in the last five. And I think that decision a year ago is really emblematic of the national sentiment. On all these other issues, you know, many of which are, are expected to be announced here in the, you know, from the court this week or next that the nation is truly divided on, this issue specific to collegiate or amateur athletes was something that at a point in our country's history where few people can agree on anything, most people agreed that it was time to allow these guys and gals to be compensated in some form or fashion. Now, how that ultimately gets decided and chopped up, you know, that that we get into some some thick grass there. But the, the notion of depriving them of any compensation whatsoever and going so far as to punitively punish them for receiving any types of, of pennies in the crosswalk for their for their services really started to rub the, the the national conscience the wrong way. So long answer to a short question, but it's also kind of indicative of how complicated and and how how long this was coming. This snowball has been rolling down the mountain for a long time.
8: Yeah, I always, you know, I go back to a story one time where they had to, the only basketball team um, evidently got, they paid too much for their meals. I mean, this is 15 years ago. And so they had to pay back their, uh, like everybody had to pay like $6 back because they had used too much money for their meals. That's insane, right? I mean, you know, those are the kind of things that, the NCAA was enforcing that really didn't make sense. And so as you look at this, now you have this opportunity. I guess my question is, the, the genie is obviously not going back in the bottle. It is what it is, right? I mean, you're going to have NIL forever. Do you see, an maybe it's kind of gotten, I, I guess the past year, nobody knew what to expect. Nobody knew what it was going to look like. Are we starting to see a, a, a model for NIL and how it's going to work going forward?
3: Well, first of all, to go back to your example from from the Illinois uh, basketball team, I'll keep it in the Big Ten. You guys will well remember, in my opinion. Well, first of all, the the most marketable, you know, had it been a different generation athlete by today's standards would have been Bo Jackson. Can you imagine? I mean, they invented the cross training shoe. Nike invented the cross training shoe around Bo Jackson because because he professionally could. He preceded Dion in that regard. Bo Jackson, I think, is the Bo Jackson or Jim Thorpe arguably are the best American athletes of all time. Bo Jackson won the decathlon in the state of Alabama, skipping two events. He was that dominant (laughs) in the other eight events that he skipped two events and and still won. Um, But anyway, in the context of sports marketability, to me, the, the second place story would be the Michigan Fab Five. The five true freshmen that went to the NCAA final against Duke and then the following year again against UNLV. And there's been a lot of, of you know, follow up about the fallout, you know, and, and how they fell into disfavor in the following years with the university, etc. And, and there's a fantastic 30 for 30 on the Fab Five. And Jalen Rose in that, and this is coming back to your point, Jalen Rose said, I remember going into the Michigan bookstore. Now, gosh, guys, this was 30 years ago now. And he said, my, I could see my jersey with my number, number five, and my name on the back for $100. So time value of money, that's what, 150 175 now? He yeah. said, I would see my jersey hanging in the bookstore for $100. He said, I didn't have $5 in my pocket for a Big Mac. And I sure as hell couldn't spend $100 on a jersey with my name on it. And I didn't see a penny from that. So, you know, in so many ways, whether it's the, 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 the Illinois team, you know, having to, having to pay back a buck 68 per meal because it was over the allotment or, or you know, guys like uh, the Fab Five at Michigan saying, you know, the, the, the money machine just back up the Brinks truck. That's really been indicative of the NCAA model. And I'm going to come back to your question, but you have to remember just as a preface and context, the term college athlete or excuse me, student athlete is a made up term it's like it's like Haagen-Dazs. haagen-dazs doesn't mean anything in any language it was a marketing term to create the appearance of this upscale hard to find european quality ice cream to justify the markup it was haagen was brilliant marketing and the ncaa it goes back decades and decades ago there was a college football player who died uh because of causes related to a football game and his widow because they would get married in college back then his widow tried to sue the NCAA for employment-related benefits. Mm-hmm. And the NCAA realized, holy crap, if we're on the hook for any time a college athlete in any sport gets hooked, as it, or, or hurt rather, because they're treated as an employee of that college or the broader NCAA, then we could have some serious liability moving forward. And so they tried to disqualify them from the employer-employee construct by defining them as amateurs. But you couldn't just say amateur. So they created the term student athlete, full-time student, part-time athlete, thereby underscoring their amateurism. And so that really got into the the national parlance. And so all the way down to the elementary school level, this is Johnny, my t-ball player. He's a student athlete, right? And so that became part of our vernacular, but it was actually created by the PR and legal team for the NCAA you know, decades and decades and decades ago. So how that, you know, how that daisy chains back to today and, and the genie being out of the bottle and whether or not we're starting to see the, the wet cement slowly harden in terms of form and, and function moving forward, you know, I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be a market sort. I think there's going to be a realignment. And I think a lot of the components that you see right now, and I'll be more specific in a second. I think a lot of the components that you see right now are going to be eliminated and then it's going to be a realignment of what's left. So it's almost a process of elimination. If you got five things, cut out three, and now let's look at the two that are remaining. Because you know, I've, I think I think you saw a little bit of a needle spike what a month ago uh, in in the drum up to SEC media when you when you had uh, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and and some some grenades that were lobbed back and forth there. Um, and I mean, you guys know that there's always been agents are the first to be vilified, but at the collegiate level, you know, they're, they're long preceded by the boosters. And, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but, you know, that has been, um, that has been the business model for, for however long. It is what it is. There are some things that are hard to regulate, some things that are easy. The problem, and, and you can even take it out of the sports context, like if you depose a, a, a you know, a brutal regime in another country, and don't replace it with something else, then then that vacuum, something will fill that vacuum, right? In the absence of structure and order something, and sometimes even worse will fill it, who knows? And I'm not drawing a direct parallel or trying to make a subversive political point. I'm saying just taking it out of the sports context. Well, so too is the same. Everybody knew that the NCAA construct, that the hierarchy, I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't really be an org chart in the, in the pyramid sense. It was really just a phone poll that was the NCAA and everybody else was at the bottom. It was pretty binary. They knew it was imbalanced, but nobody had a clear system you know to replace it if we 're going to depose this system here 's what we 're going to put in place in the interim instead, it essentially became for lack of a better word the wild wild West. Anything goes so long as it 's not maybe a short list of things like uh, tobacco products or maybe CBD products because that might go you know antithetical to the drug testing protocol or you know, if we're a Coca-Cola school, maybe you can't do Pepsi. But there was essentially a very, very narrow no-fly list, mm-hmm. right? And and the, the way it was, you know, simply explained at the time, at least in the sports business realm, was these guys aren't being paid to be, just stay with football for a minute, they're not being paid to be a football player. They're being paid for their marketability off of the field, right? Because people were people had the the, the misunderstanding that, oh, no, well, now college players are getting paid. The reality is, a small, 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 small fraction of players are actually, uh, well, everybody's eligible, but marketable, are actually interesting, are actually needle movers, can actually improve a business. I mean, there's a, my dad used to say, you know, there's a difference in a, in a gift and an investment. In an investment, you, you tend to see some form of return on that. A gift is that $12 check your grandmother sends you, you know, every birthday. You know, that's, that's a gift. That's a write-off. But in an investment, you want to see something back on it. And there's only a, a narrow sliver of the proverbial pie chart when it comes to collegiate athletes that can move that needle as it relates to a viable investment for a local business. Now, you're also seeing it at different scales, right? Like the USC or the Oklahoma or the Miami kids, or as it is alleged by Coach Saban, you know, even down to A&M, when you, have, when you have a booster base that is hungry to see success and they have their own businesses, and I'm able to run it through the grist mill and get it all ground up. And this is my consulting firm, you know, just like back with Tiger. Where, you know, our core values are fortitude, vision, and discipline. And I think our our star, you know, left tackle embodies all of those things for all the injuries that he's gone through. And so we want to pay him fifty thousand dollars over the course of the next 18 months for scheduled social media posts, you know, one speech at our at our annual conference, and some signed whatever. Well, if that's actually run through the process and it doesn't violate anything you can claim that it's not right but that doesn't mean it's wrong and so now what you start to see guys is the booster play an even larger role than it ever did right how deep is your alumni base how you know how diverse are their industries and their companies how aggressively are they willing to support it because we're dealing in macro terms as it relates to enforcement. There are very few things that superficially you would say, eh, violation, right? Now, this is great for the college athlete. This is fantastic because they're getting an an amplitude of opportunity. But I do think you're going to start to hear more and more universities speak up and say, hey, we're at a competitive disadvantage, irrespective of whether any athletes or boosters, but sticking to athletes are breaking any rules. And I think eventually you'll find enforcement. Now, the NCAA would love for that to come from Congress on a national level. But you have half of Congress that say, heck no, you know, we are conservative, we're Federalist, this is not something that should be regulated nationally, each state should choose its own rules for this. Well, then it really becomes an issue, right? Because now you have kids not just shopping, which football program produces more pro prospects, But which state are these schools located in and what is the state specific regulation on this? So it's, you know, it's layers of the onion, not to give you an indirect answer, but I I don't think that we're close to seeing a final form yet. I think what we'll start to see are certain pieces fall off. And that's why I said it's almost, you know, a process of elimination. I think another year from now, we'll take a look at what is left. And, you know, by virtue of attrition and, and, and evolution, you know, whatever's left will, will, will form kind of the tent poles of the new model moving forward. But I tell you who's, who's, who's really going to be a passive voice is the NCAA, because they've lost their teeth. You know, they're never going to get a seat back in the captain's chair, at least not in the context of the, you know, in the form and fashion that they used to have.
8: Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. The one that I do have a question about, uh, you know, we, we you mentioned the Texas A&M thing with Jimbo Fisher. I, I think recruiting has changed a lot, especially at the high major level, because everything appears to now be transactional almost. And I talked to college coaches this past weekend and that was kind of the word that kept coming up, it's transactional. Instead of being like building a relationship, getting to know this person, it becomes almost a recruiting is just different it's not about the visit to campus it's not about this it's about you know what's the transaction about what's the nil possibilities and so forth it does that make it um does that change the playing field a little bit or or change things there
3: uh it very much does but i i know digging digging in right on the point that you made I, i think over the last 10 years and you can go farther but just keeping it the last 10 you've seen kind of a three three stage progression 10 years ago, the big flex by universities was showing their stadium, and this is how luxurious it is, right, and then that gradually progressed to look at our locker rooms, we have pro caliber locker rooms, all the amenities you could want. Right. And then that the natural pivot or or tweak from there was we're now a Jordan school or we're a Nike school or we're <laughs> one or a few of the, you know, so you have the new, you know, Yeezy boosts, you know, or you're knocking around shoes if we're an Adidas school or, you know, Jordan's going to come or Tom Brady's going to come and, you know, at halftime of this game and speak to you in the offseason, et cetera. Right. And so you went from stadium to locker room to essentially swag. Remember, these are our 17 and 18 year old kids. And I don't say that condescendingly, that's just chronological. And so, the amount of Jordan that they can, you know, items that they can leave, you know, university for a, uh, an official visit in a duffel bag, is currency. And now, to your point, that it has now gone to the to the level of okay, nils in business product is great, but everybody on the roster gets that. What am I getting? And that 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 jingles or folds. You know, what what's what's in it for me? And what can you guarantee? It's not just oh well, we have a diverse. You know, booster base or you know, we're we're located in a major market where there are a lot of corporations and businesses that are that are likely or at least somewhat inclined to support you from a from a sponsorship or endorsement standpoint. Now it's specifically what has your athletic department done by virtue of your NIL clearinghouse to connect me with would be boosters or area businesses. It's not just what am I capable of, it's what are you going to connect me with? What what legwork are you going to do? And so it is changing, it's changing the athletic department, it's changing the SID's role, it, it's also creating a whole nother level of compliance, but it's arguably self-enforced compliance at this point, right? You don't have the, if you guys remember the blind side, the old Michael Orr story, you don't have the NCAA coming on campus, you know, like, like Inspector Clouseau looking for wrongdoing like back in the day, it's, you know, and when you're left to self-reporting, and guys, remember, when we talk about the NCAA, and again, this whole conversation is predicated on the business of sport, not the box score, uh, but the balance sheet. You know, the NCAA does basically a billion dollars just on March Madness. Right. Just on the, the you know, what, three-week, Larry? Three-week uh, long uh, basketball tournament in March and April. Yeah. You know, and that's that's not including because obviously the two revenue sports are, are basketball and football across mm. across the collegiate landscape. That doesn't yeah, include the, the football season the, or the bowls or anything else in college. Yeah, you're exactly right. So it's so it, we're talking about a, a billion dollar endeavor. You're talking about and I mean, you guys can fact check me on this, but, you know, a stadium expansion, which I think was a decade plus ago, that was what, 200, 300 million dollars to expand the stadium. And primarily, it's not like they double the capacity, like luxury boxes and and you know, amenity updates and stuff like that, we're, we're talking about zeros and commas. So again, if this comes back to the notion of self-reporting, right, it, it's, it, it defaults to human nature, right? Like, it, it, that's not vilifying or being negative. It's just like, if, if this is a, at worst, a, a $100 million endeavor that we're talking about for, for our, our university, and it hinges on me self-reporting a gray area you know, quote unquote misdemeanor violation in in the in the collegiate sports construct. I don't know. I don't know if that's there, there's a real carrot there to to do that, especially if we're looking at a largely toothless NCAA moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. As you said earlier, they have uh, have lost
0: that power. Uh, Doug Eldridge. You can follow him on Twitter at dleagency and at Achilles underscore PR. Um, he is uh, does a lot of things. As we said, a lawyer, uh, public relations, and and a good friend of the show here. A lot of
3: uh, information in sports business. Good, Doug, good to talk with you and uh, definitely come back and talk to us again. Guys, it's my pleasure. I, I love what you're doing. And this is a topic that is really going to evolve, you know, because we're, we're seeing now the College World Series. A lot of these guys now coaches are waiting in. You're seeing Sabin and Dion, although maybe not in the future, uh, appearing <laughs> in insurance commercials together. But, 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 you know, personnel at virtually every level are getting into this game. Uh, and so I think this is going to be a topic that, that we'll definitely revisit, but I'd love to come back anytime. Thank you for having me. And like I said, a huge fan of the show. Awesome. Doug, appreciate that. Doug Eldridge of
0: Achilles Public Relations, also the DLE agency. Uh, glad you're here with us. This segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Our number one is in the books. Stay with us. We talk Illini football up next and still on the way, Adelia McKenzie. We find out if she's still wearing deodorant to practice. Be, be nice. It's a she's, she's like our daughter, right, Brad? It's, it's okay. That's correct. Yeah, the gal. That's right. She's <laughs> the I gal. Much love to Adelia. This is the Sports Spectacular all along the Aladdi guys radio network.
6: Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go. Grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are wherever you're going whatever your mission is we're here to support it because that's our mission your life our mission learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way
0: just in case you're just joining us this is an encore presentation of the Alumni Guy Sports Spectacular as our crew takes the week off some of our favorite segments from the summer including our football roundtable as we sum up the offseason and get ready for Wyoming in just a few weeks. <laughs>
1: You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio.
0: Hour number two here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, and uh, joined right now by Matt Stevens. He's Illini football writer and analyst, and Kendrick Prince, IlliniGuys.com, director of recruiting. Hey, it's time to talk football. Guys, I can't believe that we are less than two months away. Um, from the start of the season the wyoming game coming up on august 27th don't forget about the illini guys uh, golf classic on the 26th the illini guys pre pregame party on the 26th as well that night details you can find those uh, starting uh, next week on illini uh, guys I want to talk a little uh, little roundtable here Go on the horn and just kind of get your thoughts here because we've got uh, some time to do so um and we're going to take a little bit of a, a break and, and sh- run some best of interviews here toward the end of the month so i want to get these in before we do get to august uh, a few questions and i want to start with i'm gonna get your thoughts on um going back to the season ends um last november they illinois beats northwestern that's a, a monumental win you get to five wins in the first season in, in, in early September at that Virginia game, didn't look look like that would ever happen. So this team's certainly playing much better in November than they did back in August. Um, what's the best thing that this Illini football team did uh, over the spring and summer after the season ended last fall?
8: Yeah, I would say for me, the, the thing that I'm most... Imp- last summer, it was keeping the um, guys on campus, you know, the, the seniors, you know, having come back for that extra year. This year for me, it's getting those young guys in in January so that they actually have a chance to contribute in August. And I think that's going to be important because this is a this, they have a schedule that, that gives them some opportunities, but they're going to need some young guys to step up and play roles for them to reach their goals, I think.
5: Uh, fairly simple for me, hire Barry Lunney. Uh, Illinois made an offensive coordinator change. And there's many tentacles to that because Brett Bielema's got to walk into Josh Whitman's office and say, hey, boss, I need a million dollars to fire my offensive coordinator and then hire a new one. Um, you got to come up with that. And this is post-COVID, so it wasn't like that was an easy thing for Josh to roll out and be cool with. Um, but that was a seamless transition because Josh, I think, from everything that he has told us, like, say, in the media roundtable and anything after that, it was, it was almost like Josh was going to make the recommendation and Barry, I'm sorry, Brett just kind of made it for him anyway. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. And so I would say hire Barry, who, uh, you know, is very, very familiar with Brett, going all the way back to when they were with Arkansas. You know, they the two of them know with, know each other really, really well. The families know each other really, really well. And on the field, I think that they have an understanding of how this is going to work a lot more than Brett had an idea of what Tony Peterson was going to do and and trying to hire somebody that he had never really even met before. Um which was a philosophy of his in year one that that worked out on defense and it just didn't work out on
9: offense? Well, for me, honestly, they addressed the quarterback room. I had major concerns with the quarterback. Brandon Peters, you know, came out of high school with good billing and he went to Michigan and things didn't work out. He was just inconsistent for me. I think Illinois, you know, we all know they lost and left a lot of games on the table. I just don't think the, you know, the offensive coordinator, I don't think Brett Bielema was really comfortable with letting Brandon Peters just air it out. You know, I know there was a couple of games where he overthrew people, and um, I'm not saying that's going to be the end all be all, but I think addressing that quarterback situation, because we all know, there's 11 guys in the field and they're all important, but that quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback in the Big Ten of college basketball, excuse me, college football, you're not going to win games. So that's the biggest thing for me. I was looking for that right away, and they have, a, you know, a proven guy back there, you know, and then Art's going to be back as well. So that was a big thing for me.
10: And for me, um, Brett Bielema's teams are energized and they live on the offensive line. So I take a look at every one of those offensive line signings and the size and the potential of these players knowing that yes it's not a an instant recipe for uh success this moment but if we get a Brett Bielma offensive line in Champaign this team is going to compete and that to me is what I've been most happy about when I see these six foot five 300 pound monsters signing up to come play for their coach uh that, that that is what keeps me pumped and ready to go for football
0: I think for me it's a kind of a combination of all that I feel as a whole from personnel to coaching to as as matt mentioned the philosophy to um, you know strength and conditioning i mean everything this program is in a better place than it was a year earlier and and I think that's and it, that goes it takes into everything you guys in I think they need to still need
8: a couple more players. Uh, to to fill out this roster and and I thought maybe through the transfer portal or whatever it was I, I thought there were a couple of positions of need um, that they could have filled out. I still think they're thin at wide receiver from a playmaker standpoint, and and I think they need another person. Uh, I you know whether it's another on the defensive line another a person who can get something done on the defensive line just to provide depth, because I think they're an injury away from being pretty thin there as well. So that would be the, the, those would be two things I would like to see them do. Alex Pilstrom is going to kill me on this because I
5: think he could end up being a really good center, but Illinois really didn't address center after Doug Kramer left and they could have addressed that in the transfer portal. They tried to address it in the transfer portal and didn't do it. Um, Sure. I would have loved for him to go get a wide receiver out of the portal. But that that market was so barren for Illinois that it just probably wasn't even going to be worth it. Um, so those were the two things I thought they would do in the portal that I, I really wish they could have or or should have done. But if Alex Pilstrom works out at center, then we don't have to really even worry about it. That's, that's the key for me.
9: Well, I, I'm going to kind of agree with kind of Brad mostly, and Matt Little. I was really looking for playmakers, and Matt mentioned there wasn't a lot in the transfer portal. Maybe the junior college route. They need playmakers. Um, I think, you know, our, you know when you look at the team in general, and I don't, I'm not just going to say this just to hear myself talk, because Brad mentioned it. I just think the playmakers that they need to be able to stretch the defense, to not put so much pressure on Isaiah Williams, because you knew last year, everybody knew when it was a passing down, when they needed that big run or reverse, that they run, they knew Isaiah was going to be that guy. They need other guys besides Isaiah Williams. So, again, I'm not just going to hear myself talk, but I just think playmakers would have been a huge difference if they could have got more of those.
10: Yeah, I'll go with the playmakers and two words for you. Arch Manning certainly would have looked good in the line eye orange and blue, but, but I, I somehow I think those, I don't know, eight, Digits may not really add up, but um
0: they finish for our second place. yeah, I
10: know, you know, sometimes it's the bride, you know, it's the John gross bride made. um <laughs> but no, uh, you know, I, I think anytime, you know, this, this, once this program starts getting some, some speed laterally, I think that will really open it up because you feel like that the offensive line and the, and the uh, running backs are stacked pretty well here for the next few years, just need to get some, people that force the defense to cover wide and things will start falling into place
0: yeah i agree with you and that's one thing that you're right um you know last year how many times did deuce span uh, from the quarterback room come in and save you with catching a deep yeah. pass for a touchdown he was the number one deep threat um and you need uh, more than that so no question hey we're talking a lot of football here on the sports spectacular we'll continue the conversation after this on the Atlanta guys radio network
11: They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com.
0: Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athletes' stories, and these guys know a lot
1: about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out, IlliniGuys.com. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com, on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio.
0: That's right. The sports spectacular powered by a lot. guys.com continuing right now, Larry Smith, Brad sturdy, Mike Kegley, Matt Stevens, Ketrick Prince, uh, all here talking, uh, football. So preseason camp, hard to believe, uh, we're in the countdown stage right now. What's your number one concern as this team opens preseason camp next month?
8: Yeah, I'm going to go back to the thing that I don't feel like they addressed and that's having playmakers on the outside. Um, I I think they have a, obviously a good stable of running backs. I I think they've got some, you know, offensive line to try to fill some holes there. I think they're at least solid there. Um, but I just don't see playmakers on the outside. I think Ryan Walters will make the defense, uh, good. The defense is going to be solid. You know, he's going to have a good game plan there, but I I think even though you have a veteran quarterback, he's going to have to throw some guys open this year for them to be as successful offensively as, uh, as you know, we want them to be.
5: Defensive line coach Terrence Jamison has no depth again, um, going into this season. If they lose a D tackle, um, if they lose Keith Randolph for a significant amount of time, if they lose Johnny Newton, they're in serious trouble. Ryan Walters is in serious trouble about how, so they're gonna go get the pass. They're gonna go get the. They're gonna get the quarterback and stop the run. I have I have a lot of concern. I, I agree with Brad that they they there is a develop, there, there is a low point of uh, depth also at playmaker wide receiver, but they cannot afford a single injury on the defensive line, and that's that's a major concern going into a thirteen game season,
10: and a and a
9: fall camp for that matter. My thing is to see how quick the offense. You know, they pick up, you know, new offensive coordinator, Barry Looney Jr.'s offense and, you know, quarterback's coach. That's going to be a big adjustment. I think it took a while last year. Um, I don't think you're going to see the same stagnant offense. Um, You know, last year, Coach Walters, you know, they picked up the defense quick. But now, you know, they can't go four or five weeks and then just say, hey, you know what? Now we're starting to figure this out because you lose those games and those games you lose early cost you games for going to a bowl game and et cetera. So I just think for me right now, how how quick they pick things up, you know, I know a lot of the players talked about some of the stuff the same, but it's different terminology, you know, so I think that's going to be the key, especially offensively. That's what everybody's going to be looking for to see how, see the improvement and not go out and have three or four games where you score nine, 10, 11, 12 points.
10: I think there's two things that are important. First off at the quarterback position, <clears throat> they have to keep Tommy DeVito up, and then, as Brad said, he has to throw the ball properly because there's not going to be a lot of room for error out there on the, the sides of the field. The other thing is, is is how will this team do with a new kicker and punter? I know it's, they've got some good quality guys there, but, boy, over the last two or three years, as an Illini fan, we were really spoiled by the talent and the consistency at those two positions. And um, hopefully their replacements will slide in and we won't notice anything, but that's asking an awful lot.
0: And those guys were pretty good. Yeah. That's a good, great point. You you bring up something else, Mike, and I think Brad touched on it before the break, Uh, Tommy DeVito, uh, you know, the quarterback position usually is one that, that any football team talks about quite a bit. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about the transfer coming in, from Syracuse, um, your thoughts from possibly, I don't know, Matt's been to practice, what he has seen, what you guys have heard. Your thoughts, is Tommy DeVito the guy to get this team over that proverbial next hump? And possibly into a ball game. Is is he the guy that gets it done?
8: Yeah, I think DeVito could be that guy. I think he's got the potential. Obviously, he's got experience. He's got the ability to uh you know throw the ball down the field. and uh, extend maybe uh also he has some he's he's a veteran, he's smart, he knows how to play. And I think that's what they need from that quarterback position, someone who can do those things and manage a game as well as you know, make plays when they need to win at the end.
5: Barry Lunny, you know, this spring was asked about, you know a quarterback controversy or a competition going into fall camp with Art Sitkowski, and Tommy DeVito. And he answered the question mentioning Tommy DeVito three times. Um, so Art Sitkowski until I see him throw and make, you know, a, a throw that is on a shoulder that is fully healthy. I have no opinion of that, that, that kid, other than I know he's tough and he's a quality backup. If something were to happen to Tommy, but and I do think he's going to get an opportunity. But Tommy, Tommy, I think was brought in for a reason. I think he'll he he's he's going to be your starting quarterback, and it's going to take an awful lot
9: for him to to lose that job. Well, for the fans out there that you know listen to my podcast, I talked to a assistant football coach, and he made the comment to me off air that when people see this Tommy guy play. They're going to be surprised. He is going to be, according to this coach, the difference in two and three football games. He's that impressive because he can throw it. They just have to have guys go get it. They're not just going to just be in an offense where they just throw the ball 40 times. But I'm going to tell you, for a coach to know and, and the entire staff is believing in him, and like Matt mentioned, they don't bring a guy like that in to sit. You know, he's going to have to earn it. But I'm gonna tell you this came directly from a coach. This kid is gonna be good enough to where they think they can win at least two or three more games with him
10: just alone. That's what we need. We need a Tommy Gunn, not a Danny DeVito. So um I'm all for seeing what he can put out there on the on the field. Cause we we, you know, we grew up, let's face it, we all lived in an era with Jack Trudeau, except for Matt, who's too young to real remember this. But you know, you had you had Jack Trudeau and you had Tony Eason and you had Jeff George. Let's let's hope that Tommy is the first step towards getting back to that, because that was a lot of fun, too.
5: I sat in my living room in Ogden, Illinois, with my father and watched Jeff George win a game on ABC in the L.A. Coliseum. Right? Did he tell Did he tell you that, though? Did he tell that you
10: that, or do you remember it?
5: I remember sitting there okay. watching okay. it on, on my living room floor. Okay.
10: Like, okay, and
5: my dad sat in the high chair and, I, and drank a beer, and I sat there and, and drank a root beer. So, like, I I'm not that. I'm Who not was that in good. the high
10: chair again? Was it you or?
5: <laughs> no, it
0: was it was the big leather chair that I never. Got okay, okay. That's,
5: okay, that's that's that was my dad's chair. Dad's chair. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, it's funny. i was ready to jump in and Matt, Matt defended himself. Well, Matt, there you go. Nice. Don't take nothing off this guy.
5: 38. Um, I am not. I mean, I didn't just come out of college. Like, I'm, not <laughs> that young.
0: I'm not that young but compared to us. Cause we're ancient. Yeah.
9: Uh, he's just comparing you to us, man.
8: That's all.
3: That's, that's right,
8: Mike's Mike's really old. <laughs> Mike's really old. So he's like double that. Feeling
10: every year of it tonight, folks.
0: You have seen the <laughs> pictures of when Red Grange christened the stadium. That Mike's there on the sideline, like holding one of the one of the that
5: little, like that that I under I don't even get me started because I understand like the, the gray uniforms are not, they weren't gray, like they were gray because it was a black and white television, <laughs> that's I've ever seen Like, like, no, I but I was not there. I was in the stadium for the Colorado game. Like, so
0: like I I'm not that I'm not that young.
10: There you mm-hmm. go. There yeah. You go. Just mm-hmm. compared to
0: Mike, you are, but again, so aren't we all uh, Hey, quick timeout and we'll continue our conversation here about Illini football on the Alani guys sports spectacular.
4: Since Busey bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC.
6: Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go. Grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are wherever you're going. Whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org.
11: Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com.
0: This is Jack Trudeau, the all-time leading passer for the Illinois Fighting Illini, here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Talking Illini football here on the Sports Spectacular. Um, Let's talk about the fans. Listen it's real <laughs> it's, it's been 30 years since since the fans have had a, a program to really get behind and really get excited and not just a one-off winner or here or there um what will it take for for the for the Illini fandom to come back full-throated for this football program and and can it happen this year
8: I don't think it happens that quickly unless something happens I I do think it, where they, they just have a crazy year where they win like you know, nine or ten games. I think if that happens, you can see a turnaround. But I don't think it's going to happen that fast. I think consistency over time, it's consistently making bowl games, consistently being contender in the Big Ten. Um, I think will make them, you know, make fans come back, and it's just like it did when we went from the '70s to the '80s. I think that that we saw that, you know, transition. We're in a similar time period.
5: Since 2011, I think I can count on one hand how many times Illinois has announced an attendance of 50,000 or more. And understand that just over 60,000 is capacity. So I'm not even talking about sellout. Uh, tell me what the record. And so for, from that standpoint, can they get to that level this year? Yeah, because tell me what the record is for that Iowa game on October 8th and the Minnesota game on October 15th, and you might get that in the stadium legitimately. Um, but is Illinois going to consistently sell out Memorial stadium in year two? No. And I don't know if they, but if, if, yeah, if they go to a bowl game and people like people like Brett Bielema, so they want to, they want something to be sold to them. So I think year three is, is where you're, you're going to see the the, the tipping point of this program and how far it can go.
9: Matt, please don't get mad at me, man. I just have to be different. Just a little bit, buddy. I disagree. I think if they win eight games this year and they put up 24, 25 points a game, you're going to see the excitement. Illinois fans are loyal. I don't care if it's cross-country, tennis, volleyball. They are loyal people. They are starving for a winner. They were close last year. And here's my thought. They win eight games this year and they go to a good bowl game. And then the next year, if they win... Larry, to answer your question, I think you're going to see sellouts because what he was hired to do was to not be a one-year guy. He was not hired to be a Ron Turner to go to a Sugar Bowl and be done or a Ron Zook to go to a Rose Bowl and be done. He is hired to win more games and on a consistent level, and that's what Brett's going to I think he's going to do so. Personally, if they can score points and not put people to sleep by scoring, you know, winning games nine to seven, and put up some points and stop people defensively, I think the fans are starving. I think they'll show up.
10: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, Ken. If, if you can guarantee me some nine to seven wins, I'll take that over, over exciting losses, to be honest with you. But I wonder, you know, Coach B is such a planner. You know, I, I, I got to wonder, does he actually have like an estimate in his mind of, of how many people should be at each home game and what his targets are? Because the man seems to plan every single point out, and of course, as he's building the team, you know that the success that they have is going to translate to butts and seats, because that's that's what sports success translates to. That and ratings on television. So, you know, I, I got to think it's all tied in. But he's got to get the wins, and we all saw this week or not this week, but in the past two weeks, with realignment, just how important this football program improving is. Coach Bielman is not afraid of a challenge, but there is a mountain in front of him to take this program that's been blah for since ever and bring it back to what it was in, in the 80s. And he's got a huge challenge in front of him. And this year is how they compete this year is going to be big to where Illinois lands in the next two or three years. So there's some pressure there. I don't think he's afraid of it. I don't think the coaches are unaware of it, but um, there's a lot riding on this season. And um, if Tommy DeVito stays upright and makes throws probably be okay. Mike,
9: Mike, Mike, sorry. You know, he mentioned that, you know, in a press conference once he knows you know, he made reference to the basketball to State Farm Center. He wanted his football program to be like that. And he knows he has to win games. Shauna Greens, the women's basketball coach, said the same thing. People aren't gonna come to watch the losing teams. So and that's everywhere you know so i can honestly tell you he's really really excited about putting people in the stands but you have to win those games and like i said he's mentioned that before and that's it's common sense and i that's why i made the comment earlier i i illinois fans are just loyal i mean it's a different fan base one that we all know because we're on message boards but they will show up if you win games
0: yeah i think i'm probably going to lean toward agreeing with matt on this when it doesn't happen this year I think again next year is the one if if you can get to that seven eight win bowl game momentum. Uh, now I think if the Northwestern game was at home end of the year, it would be rockets. If you're at you know seven and four at that point, chance to go eight and four, it'd be unbelievable. Unfortunately, they're going to finish on the road up in Evanston this year instead of uh, of at home. But I do believe Bealman has got it going the right direction. We'll see if that happens. All right, comes down to this. Give me your prediction on the season. What happens and. Do you have a number of of wins in mind that that you think this team um, where they'll be sitting end of November?
8: I think they're going to win six games. I think they're going to make a bowl. Um, I I don't think they're going to get much more than that. I I think that some people have, you look at the schedule and it is a favorable schedule in the sense that there are some winnable games. But I I also think there's some very difficult games and some toss-up games that maybe people don't realize how how difficult they're going to be. So I'm going to go six and six. I like think they make a bowl game. It's a minor bowl, but I think it's a start. It's a, a beginning of um, kind of a, a new era where they can make bowl games every year where you're not going into the season hoping to make a bowl game. You're hoping to contend uh, for your Big Ten division.
5: I, I'd love to know what Illinois' record is going into the October 1st game when they get, when Brett goes back to Madison and plays Wisconsin. Because you have four games before that, and if Illinois is 4-0, then, yeah, I love their chances of being bowl-eligible. If they're anything short of 4-0 and before then, I don't love their chances of being bowl eligible. This team could be 5-7 and seven and look a heck of a lot better than it did last year and have the exact same record. And I think people who understand, like, say, Josh Whitman and people who are evaluating the football program, like longtime season ticket holders, could see an improvement on the field and an improvement in the product and have the same record as they did last year. Because, quite honestly, Illinois – figured out a way to beat Nebraska last year when they weren't favored to do that. And, um, you know, there were a couple of other, the nine overtime Penn state game was, you know, a, a that, that doesn't happen every single day. So there were ways for this team to only have two or three wins last year, and they managed to get to five. Um, I, if it breaks well for them, there'll be bowl eligible, but they could be five and seven and be a better football program.
9: I see seven and five. I think, you know, you look back to last year and last year was in the past, obviously, but, you know, they left some games on the table. I think, you know, another year in the system, they fixed that. Also, they're going to be teams that they shouldn't be. You know, Matt, you mentioned the Penn State game. I'll be honest with you. I was impressed when they went to Minnesota and won at Minnesota. That was huge.
10: Yeah, I, th- I think six and six. I'd like to see them three and one after their first four games. I, I really worry about as is, is you look at it, a lot of people and myself included look at Indiana and like, Oh yeah, we should win that. To me, Indiana is that key. That's that's that key game because you need to go three and one to start the season.
0: We got to hit a break right here. Uh, Kendrick Prince director of recruiting for line. Matt Stevens, line. guys, football writer and analyst guys. Great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks guys. See you. Thank you round table here on the sports spectacular. Much more Uh, with Adelia McKenzie, the Illini gal, up next.
1: You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys radio network. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio.
0: Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, the Illini Guys here on the Sports Spectacular. You know, we are hosting a little golf outing coming up on August 26th at Atkins Golf Club and the University of Illinois. Matt Stevens is still with us. Matt, you and Brad got a chance to play this new track last week. Give us your thoughts.
5: I think it's, it's a wonderful uh, you know, renovation of the old Stone Creek facility, and I think it, it, it provides Mike Small, it provides Renee uh, Sloan with everything that they need to potentially host Big Ten championships and NCAA regionals in the future. It gives them a, a test locally right around the Champaign-Urbana area for their roster as they lead into difficult tournaments. And I think anytime you can you can renovate a, a, a track and have it be an entertaining, you know, place for for members, um, and then have it be a 7,500 yard par 71 test for the guys on the roster, um, and you have that mix. I think it's I think it's everything that's been done has been done first rate, and uh, I, I was very impressed with everything that they had changed over from Stone Creek to, to what is now Atkins Golf Club.
8: Yeah, I was, I was really, I really loved the course. The greens were fantastic. Um, They've got, you know, new bunkers Uh, they've got. um, But I I will say this, you know, (laughs) Matt mentioned the, the 7,500 yard par 71. And I do not want to play the orange cheese because it might take me to a few days to get done. Then I may have to, I would need like extra, my cart would run out of gas, but no, um, or Electroelectric. So I guess they would run out of electricity. But no, I I was really impressed with though. I, I thought it's great. I mean, the way they've reshaped it and repurposed it, some of the things, it, I think it's fantastic. I, you know, I think this is an elite college golf facility now. Um, it's also gonna be great for the community. Um, it, because again, when you have the university behind it, you can really do some nice things. It's got great banquet centers, restaurants. It's not just a golf course. It's a community thing, too, and it's just fantastic, and the university did a wonderful job um, with this.
10: Yeah, I thought the pin placements were were fantastic. It really made it a challenge for the golfers that we were watching. I think the other thing that's really cool, and Brad kind of hit on it, but the restaurant is a farmer's, you know, from the farm to the table restaurant, and we were actually there as they were bringing in fresh vegetables <laughs> into, the, into the chef to cook with. And that made me hungry. Um, and and
8: shocking. it was <laughs> shocking.
10: I, I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, you can see that they have an awesome um, banquet facility on the second floor of the clubhouse that can seat, I think, close to 500 people. Um, just a beautiful venue if someone in the community was wanting to do something, um, I can see where that would stack up with anywhere. So, I mean, uh, a great job done on multiple levels by the university.
5: Brad, Larry, when's the last time you think Mike's actually had a vegetable? Like I'm calling BS on that a little bit. There, like, there,
8: there could have been a one, salad. one on a pizza. There could have been no, one on no, a pizza. No, there can't be one on a pizza.
10: No, one on a pizza
5: uh, no,
8: is illegal. It, it could get dropped on there. You, When they're doing all those toppings, there's no question a mushroom or a pepper could have gotten on a pizza that he ate.
0: What's incredible is I, I want to say Monday night at, at dinner, I think he had two salads. Yeah, Two. Salads, are Brad. I was, I was, um, yeah. We'll discuss that uh, later on in the uh, the second hour. Uh, Mike's eating prowess. Listen, you may really want to stick around for that because it was pretty impressive. Um, it was like superhero esque. Uh, it was something else, no, but but back to the course, you know, you're right, it was not well all heroes
8: out. wear capes, Larry. No, not all <laughs> heroes
0: wear capes, they, they wear bibs, some wear bibs, bibs. <laughs> <And> expandable pants. <laughs> thank you, you drink minimum. Thank you. Uh, no, the course to your point, and we're going to hear uh Josh Whitman's comments uh, next hour as well as uh Matt Stevens got a chance to interview him um during that course before you guys during the before you guys played the course you know just just fantastic it's well thought out uh, it was easily accessible um my first time driving out there you're right they repurposed the holes out was laid out very nice um you know they've got the areas there for uh you know for your beverage for your snacks is well placed as well it's well thought out it's a fun track i can't wait to get out there we didn't play mike and i didn't play we just uh were there more for business planning things but um it's a lot of fun and you know i, I want to get your thoughts too, uh, matt and brad and mike in terms of the pride that josh whitman has in, in facilities i mean he really to hear him talk about this he was really really proud of of the way this came out his comments during the ceremony and even when talking to matt
5: yeah i would i would say that that you know josh what Josh and, and, and I'd say Mike have been able to put together here for, for Atkins is, is a game changer. And what I mean by that is, is that Mike has already put together a national championship caliber program at the University of Illinois, which is saying something in a school that has snow uh, in, in the winter. I mean, you just don't see that anymore. Uh, the, the, indoor, the, 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 the indoor hitting facility, the indoor facility that they have, the immersion facility that they have is a game was a game changer a long time ago. This adds to it. And what do I mean by that is that Josh Whitman and, and everybody who's been involved with this now give Mike Small an opportunity potentially to host a regional. And Mike believes, and he's told me this, that he thinks that the regional assignments are going to start ending up like baseball, where if you have one of the top eight programs in the country and you have a facility that can host, you will host every year. We're not; gonna, It's not going to be a bid system anymore to the NCAA. And Illinois didn't have that until now. They didn't have a place where they could do that or where it was capable. And then the other thing is, and I'm writing a story this week, is that Mike is is familiar with winning a Big Ten championship at home. You know, they won one at Savoy in 1988 when he was teammates with Steve Stricker. Um, They'd like to do that again, and I think they will obviously get the opportunity at Atkins to do that. So anytime you can put your program in a capability of making it easier to win a conference championship or win a national championship. That's exactly what Josh Whitman and everybody at Illinois has done with this.
8: Yeah. I, I totally agree with everything that Matt said. I, I think that um, Josh Whitman is facilities. When you look at what he's done from a silly standpoint in a short amount of time, and this is just another achievement. And when urban renovation is finished, it's going to be another one. And then they're going to work on the next thing and over and over it's got a, He's got a lot of pride because this is what you're known for. The Smith Center obviously is the best practice facility for football, or best uh, you know practice facility for football in the in the country, perhaps. So this is uh, that's what it's all about right now.
10: Yeah, he, uh, Josh Whitman has a reason to be proud, and um, you know the same with Mike Small on this particular project. And sometimes legitimate uh, success is something that it's very good to be proud about and maybe toot your horn a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was very cool to um, a lot of pride out there. And how cool was it also to have Chancellor Jones uh, as a part of that, uh, that uh, uh, dedication ceremony, very, very, uh, very neat. And um, a lot to be proud of Kendrick Prince of the Illini guys talk with Illini football assistant coach, Aaron Henry on his podcast recently. We'll hear part of that right after this.
1: You're tuned in to the sports spectacular on the Illini guys radio network.
0: Planning to repair or upgrade your home or place of business, whether it's a leaky roof, windows or door, worn out siding or paint, outdated kitchen, bathroom or basement. Look no further than HX Home Solutions, your one stop shop for remodeling inside and out. Trusted by Chicagoland since 1950. Find out why HX gets an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. Call today. 224-880-6000. That's HX Home Solutions. Mention code NCAA and schedule your free estimate. Once again, 224-880-6000, HX Home Solutions.
4: Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs, and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Spectacular. We talked with Kedrick Prince, Director of Recruiting for IlliniGuys.com, earlier in the show. He recently spoke with 2024 basketball commit Mores Johnson on his Keds Recruiting Roundup podcast. The 6'9 forward out of Chicago, St. Rita, is one of the top players in the country in his rising junior class. Here's a piece of that interview, starting with why he chose Illinois.
12: Okay, I committed to Illinois Young because I know this is the place I want to be. I know this what I to do I went on a couple of visits, but none of them felt like how Illinois felt like Illinois felt like home as soon as I got on campus. Plus, I love the coaching staff. They want the best from They're not going to let you cheat yourself. They're not going to let you slack. That's what I need. need them to push me to the next level.
9: I like that quote. So you mean it's like slack off as far as like take time off or take the easy way out? Is that what you mean or what? Yeah, they're not going to let me take the easy route. Like, say if I want to cheat and practice, be
12: lazy and stuff like that, they're not going to let me do that. They're going to be like, Marais, pick it up. What you doing? Marais.
9: You went to a practice down there. I think the weekend you were down there, uh, I think your team was down there or a few of your teammates were down there, and you got got a chance to watch practice. And what was that like for you to see that kind of atmosphere with all those players on the court? Can you explain what that was like? Like the practice was intense. Like I thought, my practice at
12: Saint Rita was intense because of the way my coach coached at Saint Rita. But when I got to Illinois, it was a different. It was just different. Coach Underwood didn't play. Coach Frazier was in the drills with them. It was just intense. I, I like I like the intensity. Everybody going after each other. Kofi and um,
9: Omar going at it. You know, Coach and uh, Coach Tim Anderson, uh, the system basketball coach at Illinois, has been on a roll. Um, he's done a great job of trying to change the the look of Illinois basketball. Can you talk to us and tell the listeners out there your relationship with Coach Anderson and what, what what you like about him as a basketball coach and what he brings to Illinois?
12: Okay, I met Coach Anderson, well, I first started talking to Coach Anderson my freshman year when he was at DePaul. He offered me a DePaul offer when I was a freshman. And in June, uh, going into my sophomore year, he um, was at Illinois. And then he offered me then, and we started talking, Then I took the visit. That's my guy. That's like an uncle to me. I love the way he's trying to change the culture at Illinois, and I'm trying
9: to help him with that. You know, when you committed, because, you know, as I mentioned on the air to start the show, you're one of the top 50 players in the country in your class. You know, for a kid like you to commit early, this makes a bold statement you know, how you want to keep Illinois going and that you like what the program is doing. As far as a, uh, the program itself, you know, the style of play and the fans, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, you know, what you're looking forward to the, and even in the Big Ten.
12: Okay, I love how Illinois play inside out. Like, they don't cancel the guards out just because they got good post game. They let the guards play too. Everybody's happy. they feed feeding the beers. They're going to their first option, which is the post. And they're working it out, then they're working the ball out. Kofi hitting in the corner to Plummer, uh, plumber, knocking down threes, like everybody happy they playing together, they're playing the right way.
9: So what part of your game? I mean, now that we're kind of like, you know, we're quarter into the AAU season, has your AAU season gone the way you like? Are you looking to do more? Are you happy? Or I mean, can you talk about that process? How that's going so far? Um,
12: AAU going good right now, but it could be better. Like the l- couple of turns you've been going like four and one, six and one. Like we've been losing our first game and then bouncing back, I think like this weekend coming up we're gonna pick it up. Like we need to start going undefeated. There's no way we should be not go- We should not be going undefeated in tournaments. But um, I think that's because we're coming out lazy right now, stuff like that. But we're picking it up. Last week we did good. We went four zero.
9: So you're all about winning, and one of the things that I I know you and Ty Rogers are friends and you guys talk and I love the attitude that you guys have and your demeanor as far as like winning basketball games and that toughness
12: like everybody's not dogs like some people are dogs like time, we are dogs like we're gonna go get it we're gonna make sure we win we're gonna play D- we're gonna lock you up we're gonna rebound we're gonna score we're gonna kill you we're gonna do everything to win the game we are dogs we're gonna make sure we win the game or at least make it hard for you to win
9: good gonna I, gonna okay Some of the fans have never seen you play. What are you good at? And this is your time to brag. It's okay. Don't be bashful. Like, I'm good at finishing. Like, um, some people say I take crazy
12: shots when I'm, like, with my layups and stuff like that. But I work on that stuff. I don't call it crazy. That's what I work on. I practice that. I'm good at finishing. I can rebound. I can play defense. I can guard multiple positions. Um, I can shoot the jumper. Um, I haven't shot it a lot at San Rita this year because of the team I have. Like, I don't need to shoot it. My team was pretty good.
9: Have you worked a lot like, yeah. on that have you worked a lot on that on in AAU season shooting a the little shooting.
12: Bit? Yeah I'm moving around I'm outside more with AAU working on it a lot more
9: You know when I saw you play it's really hard I can't it's, I can't it's not fair to compare kids and players I get that but you're just a freak of nature to be your size and athletic The things that you can do and how big you are, you know, you know, know you're going to be a junior. It's just really, really unique to see a kid like this. And it's been a long time since I've seen a kid like this at Illinois. Yeah, that's what I'm working on. I'm working on to become a three.
12: I don't want to be just labeled as a five or a four. I want to be able to play multiple positions. I don't want to just be like, just throw me in the post. I want to be able to shoot. I want to be able to draw. I want to be able to get, get the ball
0: to my teammates, all of that. Once again, you can hear the entire interview on the Keds Recruiting Roundup podcast. You can find that on the front page of IlliniGuys.com along the left-hand side. That's where all of our multimedia lives, including past editions of this Sports Spectacular show, or anywhere that you find your podcasts. More Sports Spectacular after this.
4: Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC.
1: You're listening to The Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio.
0: Drill on the sports spectacular. One thing we have not talked about in these two hours yet: NBA Finals is now underway. Celtics and the Warriors, gentlemen, your thoughts? You
8: know, you got the you got the team of the past whatever seven years against the team of probably the next seven years right now. I mean, the Celtics are young, coming into their own, two stars under twenty-five, um, and then you've got the the Warriors. They're they're a little older. They're a little grizzled grizzled veterans, although they you know, play a fun style, but it's going to be interesting to see how they um, match up. I think um, Boston has some things that will make it difficult. They do a good job defensively. They've got good length. They've got a you know an elite defender who can run around and you know chase Steph, and so they're 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 probably a good matchup for Golden State. But man, I, I just feel like Golden State is just that veteran team. They've been here before. They've done it before, and I think they realize this might be the last hurrah. I mean, you look at all those teams in the West that are really close. Um, and, and, you know, almost, you know, right there. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if this is the last, last off for these guys. And so they're going to go give it all they have.
10: Yeah, this, this is one of the more intriguing finals and it's kind of funny because I, I see it ending one of two ways. I see golden state sweeping this, or I see Boston winning it in seven. Um, Boston has proved, you know, proven that they can get through, um, and play, you know, when their backs are against the wall, I know they don't have the experience that the uh, Golden State Warriors have. But there's got to be a confidence, um, you know, that they've got. Now, granted, the you know, injuries to Milwaukee probably made this whole thing possible. But nonetheless, um, they have played well under pressure. And, you know, game sevens, they come up with some performances even on the road
0: yeah I, I'm with, with you guys on the on the Warriors, I think it's one that it's just a team that they just know how to how to get it done. I mean I, I always root for the underdog and and Steph Curry is somebody he had to fight for. I mean he's one of the all-time greats now. But, boy, he had to work to get there. And um, I just – I love the way the organization is built. They remind me a lot of the way the Spurs were, and the Spurs obviously great and and uh, had such a fantastic run. To your point, Boston's done the same thing, and I think that's one thing about when you saw these final four teams in the NBA, all four, in my opinion, built it the right way. They didn't try to go out and just buy a championship. They went through, and like you said, they they put Tatum and Brown and stuck with them and let Kyrie Irving leave. And they bring Al Horford back for the guy who's – been there, done that, you know, as the veteran, he's got a couple of rings from college. And um, I just think it's, it's one of those I was asked uh, earlier this week who I liked. I'm like, I I don't really have a dog in this, in this spot. I think either team to your point would just be so much fun and we could get, it's a champion. You could get behind like we did with the, the bucks and Raptors in recent years.
10: Yeah. And, and Hartford, the interesting thing about him is he plays so much better when he has the extra day of rest and the finals are set up for an old guy like him to have a bigger effect on the game. If it was an every other day type of thing, I think I would automatically give this to the warriors, but I do think that this time off may help him be more effective.
8: Yeah. I mean, he's like half your age. He's old.
10: You know, it is, it is. Isn't it amazing when we could talk about these guys at that age as being, you know, he's almost over the hill. A little
0: bit old. No,
10: no, Mr. Horford. We're over the hill. (laughs)
0: People are going to meet, meet Mike and say, you look so much younger than what I envisioned. I
8: thought you were like 84. <laughs> I didn't
0: know. Yeah. We thought
10: you were Lauren Tate's
8: step-twin.
0: <laughs> oh, NBA 5. I'm,
8: hey, I have a girl. I, it's funny. You talk about age. I have a girl I teach with. And I, I told her the other day, I said, hey, when she first started, you know, she's 22 and whatever. And I'm like, I'm double your age. I said, I'm no longer double your age. So that's a good thing. So they they're gaining ground these young people on us. That's all good. So that's uh that's not a bad thing. Well, never gaining ground on Mike because he doubles his years.
0: They're, they're all half my age. <laughs> and then and and my my career is older than all of them. So that's even scarier. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, that is
10: funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like this. Yes. Is, yeah, yeah. So wait a minute. What's an entry machine? Yeah. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Um. Hey, USFL is a is back. Flash from the past. You guys been watching?
8: I haven't watched much, but I will say the one thing I keep watching are highlights of uh, Reggie Corbin running into the end zone. That <laughs> seems to be a common occurrence. Um, long runs, you know. He's I think you know, he's at the top in the league in like every rushing touchdowns. You know, one of the top five guys in the league. And so, man, what a, I, th- this dude needs to be in the NFL next year. I mean, he really should be. He just perfect. He can play a third down back, whatever role you want, but he can, I mean, I just think there there's no way that there are that many running backs better than, than this dude. So go, go Reggie and get to the NFL.
10: Yeah. And, and I have not had as much time to watch this as I would like, um, you know, the NBA playoffs get so addictive. I just can't help it. You've got it on every night. And in fact, when you get to the finals, you almost get the shakes. Cause you're like, it's three more days until they play. And it's just such <laughs> a challenge because I'm I'm so used to having it on every night. Meanwhile, my wife is like, wow, this is great. It's three more days until they play again.
8: <laughs> <laughs> Larry wanted to Larry wants to see all this stuff, but you know, in between Manny's and petties, he's it's hard. Hard oh. to find time.
0: We're going to, we're going to close out with that. Are we, <laughs>
10: Yo, he's got to get his, he's Mike, gotta get
8: Mike's to getting his mullet permed and yeah. Larry's getting a mani-pedi.
10: Larry's got to get the mustache, you know, waxed and, you know, looking good and everything.
0: I should have known. I should have known it was, it was coming. And, you know, and, and, and by the way, I know what you guys did last week. I haven't talked about it. This, this show, I was going to let it go but started the show without me and that's okay. That's okay. I still like you guys, but okay.
10: Give give Brad a control board and a microphone and he cannot stop.
8: It's all, it's all downhill from there. There you go. That's right. They have a word tonight. When they have a word tonight, they give me the microphone. They all just go, Oh no.
0: Oh no. (laughs) Somebody save us.
11: (laughs) It's well, not a standing stop. Only stop
0: him. Please stop him. Well, <laughs> um, full disclosure. Um, my pedicure is in 20 minutes. So wow. we're going to close the show here. Uh, for everyone joining us, David Williams, Ryan McClure, be sure to uh... Uh, join uh, David in his first ever, uh, first annual golf tournament, uh, supporting a really good cause coming up on August 26th. And once again, um, uh, we'll have more details on that on the show as we get a little closer to that. Uh, thanks to everyone else on the show. Thanks to you for listening again, another uh, great week. Hopefully you enjoy this weekend and we'll see you right back here. Same time next week for Brad sturdy, for Mike Kagley, for our guy on audio, the board over there, there he is waving at you, Patrick Quinn. I'm Larry Smith. Go Illini. We'll see you next week.
10: And please donate to the Larry Smith testosterone fund. We will need dollars immediately. <laughs>
0: ILL. I&I. This has been a
1: presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.